Amen. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> morning, everyone. Can everybody hear me all right? I tend to tail off sometimes. It's like I start speaking high and then I glue down. If I do, just someone raise their hand and then I'll make sure everybody can hear me all right. Um, it's great to be with you here this morning. And um, as, we, as Will's already introduced, we're on this topic of work, sleep, repeat. Um, and it also has this kind of, kind of humdrum about kind of keep going on. And, and I want to just affirm, I guess, last week that the first and foremost thing is work is good. Um, it's a gift from God, um, and it's a blessing. And we're each, every one of us, each of you and, and myself, we're all made in God's image. And that's the place that we go from. And so I wanted to affirm that we're precious to God. And whatever work we do, whatever capacity it is, in whatever way we consider it work, um, I want us to understand generally work is anything that's not rest. So whether it's at home, whether it's paid, whether it's away or close, wherever it is, considered anything that is, it takes effort. It's something to do. And that's what it is first and foremost. But also, work is not our identity. We are first and foremost made in the image of God to bear the image of God, to be the image of God wherever we are. And so as we go through this, there's a few aspects I wanted to go through, essentially four key points. Um, not repeating last week's work is good, it is a blessing from God, um, and I'm not going to go further into that other than receive what we heard last week from Will. Um, today we're going to talk about the more difficult bit, is the fall, sin, and how work gets corrupted, um, and what that means, what that looks like to, what, to toil, and then from that where Christ has come to redeem all things, and what does that redemption in work look like? And then ultimately, then to bear God's image in the work that we do and bring Christ back in it. And before I read Genesis chapter 3 to reflect on that, I kind of want to bring up a story. And the story is about um, a pastor that I met much later in his life. He's now with, with the Lord. And he talked about this in preaching. He talked about it personally when I chatted with him. He looked back on one of the things that he'd done. He's like, I, anybody that was involved in the church, we got up and prayed for them, anointed them, blessed them. Brilliant missionaries that went to the countries, we can't, got them up, we blessed them. We said we, we need to pray for every single person that's involved in church ministry, involved in mission and going out. That's essential to do. But he looked back and he's like, but I missed it. I missed it. I praised the spiritual work and I didn't bring up the parent that's struggling to care for their children. I didn't bring up the single mom that has to work and raise a child and look at what, what does that Christ look like? I didn't pray for the lawyer that's standing in a cutthroat environment saying, where's Christ in this? How do I bring him right there? Or for the doctors, how do I love this particular patient? Or the teacher, where they care for each and every child like it's their own. For the mom at home or the dad at home, where is the purpose? What, you know, with the, the washing or the, the caring for the children, I used to make the joke of the toil that I sometimes have, where it takes probably 10, 15 minutes to clear up the toys, 
probably three seconds to dump them all over the floor again. That's the toil. But where is Christ? And how do we pray for those that need the same help wherever you are? So there's so many things for the student before they take an exam. For the retired person that actually, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God and they feel busier now than when they were working. The unemployed, the administrator, the grandparent, the grocery store attendant, for the marriages, for the singles, for the parents, for the children. Every single role and everything you do, whatever it is you do, it is for the Lord and it matters. It may feel boring. It may feel like, why am I doing this? But it matters to God. You matter to God, and that's what's the most important thing. You are precious in his sight. You are his daughter. You are his son. You are loved and precious, and that's the place that we go from. But it feels a bit frustrating sometimes to do the mundane. But actually, Christ was in the mundane. He went walking with his disciples. He sat and rested with his disciples. We read a lot of the great things he did, but we don't hear all the, the in-between bits where he just sat and spent time with them. Whether you just chat with somebody and spend time with them, that is important. Your role is important, and we still bear Christ's image. And in that work, whatever it is that you may do throughout your day, it's important to God. How can we bring Christ in that environment? So work is good, but something's gone wrong. All work is important, but all work isn't necessary from God. So let's read Genesis 3 and kind of have a little understanding of what happened, why it got corrupted. So from Genesis 3, chapter 1, I'm going to read the whole bit. This kind of gives the context. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the fruit, from the tree, from which I commanded you not to eat. The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate. 
So the Lord God said to the snake, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree from which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the tree east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So that's the tragic story of where it started. I'm not going to go through the whole passage. Um, I just want to let the passage speak for itself, the majority, but there's a, I'm just drawing attention to the things with respect to work. But the first thing I wanted to bring us our attention to is Adam was supposed to till and guard the garden when Eve was challenged directly by the snake. Adam was present. He didn't guard the garden. He was given a voice. And the first failure in his work was to guard the garden. He let it happen. He chose to let it happen and allow things to be against the command of God. And that's where things start wrong. And that's where things are wrong in the world today. God is the definer of moral authority. God is the definer of what we do because he created us in his image. When we bear his image, we bear his authority. When we bear his image, we bear his word in us to where we are called to be. We bear the likeness of Christ where we go. Adam didn't bear the image of God because he didn't listen to the word of God to speak in that moment. And this, the very work that he was given to till and guard the garden, in the end, it's the cherubim that's responsibility to guard the garden because Adam and Eve are no longer present there. Work has changed. Now, the cherubim's guarding the garden from Adam and Eve, from us because we couldn't be trusted. Work has changed. And it started with not listening to God's moral authority. So when we look out work, first and foremost, it is God and his definition of moral authority. When we enter in a work environment, it may not be recognized as what is 
his authority as we guide what is God calling us to do. So sin has impacted, first and foremost, our relationship with God. And that change in relationship has changed how we interact with other people. And then as we look through, even in that place of rejection, God then spoke. Where are you? He seeks Adam out. He seeks you. He seeks me. Wherever we're at. And so then our relationship with work has changed. Perhaps work has become our self-worth. Perhaps it's become a place of identity. But without God's moral authority in defining what that role is, it's become distorted. So God curses the ground. I'm not going to explain. I don't know the specific reasons for the curse, but we do know the impact. Work is harder. It's toil. We have to do more for less. Maybe it's harder to repeat that same day over and over again. Work is less productive. And there is opposition. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. You think you know, the very garden that you're tending and caring for, the work that you're doing, it, it, it pushes back on you. Someone challenges you. Someone rejects what you do. It doesn't feel good. So that opposition can be from other people. It can be from the environment you work in, the culture. Something the culture can be oppressive in certain environments. But it also can be from an enemy of God. That enemy will seek to destroy your relationship with God and destroy your relationship with others. And that's what we cannot allow. So work is still good. God is still good. Work is still a blessing, but it's now distorted and we need to see the lens through Christ. We're still called to be fruitful and multiply. We're still called to bear God's image. So what does God's image in your workplace look like? It may be that you have to be patient. It may be to be rejected in some of the work that you have done. It may be that your work ideas are, are rejected and not accepted, or you fail an exam, and of course you feel, this is what God's called me to do. Frustrated when you care for others. You feel like you're fighting against the world. Coronavirus happens, things shut down, you're on a computer. What is the purpose of work? It's to look back to God, look back to his moral authority and say, okay, if disobedience brought curses, can obedience then bring blessings? And blessings doesn't necessarily mean that suddenly everything's easy. What it means is he will show you and give you the fortitude and the strength to carry on. Right now, essays are my toil. I don't like essays. And actually, the outcome, when I started, kept looking on, okay, if I get this grade, then, yep, well done, I got it. I understood what they're trying to say, and I delivered it. But actually, I missed the point. If in the whole process of writing the essay, I've learned about who Christ is, and I've learned about what he's trying to say, whether I got a pass or failed, it actually doesn't even matter. Because if we link our identity to performance, we will be on an up and down flow on performance. If we link our identity to Christ, and it's, I'm working for you. 
I'm trying to do. This is my toil. I don't know if I'm actually giving the message that you need to know. That's my toil to wrestle with. And your toil is to receive and see, no. What I can only do is to bring myself and say, okay, Jesus, this is what you called me to do. I'm here. I'll speak. I'll challenge. I'll say sorry. Bear his image wherever you are. Celebrate that image. That's the image he's given you, and it's beautiful. Whatever age, whatever place, whatever situation, you bear Christ's image. You bear his power. You bear his word. You bear his authority, and it will change the situation. Prayer makes life different. But he's also not asking you to be any more than who you are. Be yourself. Be yourself in Christ. My favorite verse and I bought a whole Bible just because of one translation of one specific verse, and it's Ephesians 2.10. And most, most translations would say, you are God's workmanship. And it's nice to be in God's workmanship. It feels a little bit like someone can get a chisel on, on wood, and I'm just getting just kind of beat up a little bit. And I bought the New Living Translation. It says, you are God's masterpiece. I have created you anew. In Christ Jesus, so you can do all the good things God planned for you long ago. I'm not going to get into whole foreordained preordestination. I don't understand it. Point being is, He knows you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. He's made you His masterpiece. And He's given you the ability through the blood of Jesus Christ, by the cross that has suffered and brought a new life into you to be able to do the good things that he planned for you long ago. That's the work he's got planned for you. It doesn't mean all every work is good. If something you're involved in at work has any impact on oppressing people or, or potentially putting someone at harm or dishonors God, then we need to challenge that and saying, what am I doing? But he has put you where he wants you. If your sole focus is on work, then the culture of work will be your culture. The environment of work will be your environment. The words that is spoken at work will be your, your words. But if you accept the culture of Christ, you can then bring that culture to wherever you are. You can't change the world but you can allow God to transform your heart. And as he molds your heart, he can bring God's heart to wherever you work. Back to the doctor and caring for that patient. Back to the teacher saying, this child is, I'm going to love him like they're my own child. To the mom and dad, home or away. Work is restored through the blood of Christ. We can still bear his image. And so I want us to bring us back to one other verse, which is the final aspect. So work is good. It's been corrupted by the fall, and the lens has changed. We can bring God's moral authority. It's been redeemed through Christ. And the last one is work as if it's, you're working for Christ. In Colossians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart. 
as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Just so we're clear, that doesn't mean working at 10 o'clock at night every night. It means whatever you do in the time you have to honor your family, your other commitments, you work as if for the, for the Lord. You bear the image of Christ, and he will change your heart. And as he changes your heart, you will bring Christ into your workplace, into your home, into the shopping center, and wherever you're at. Whatever you're doing, keep going. Listen. If you know where God's called you, keep going. Keep praying. Keep resting in him. If you have no idea, well done. You're with a lot of the other ones. He's got you in a place wherever you're at. Keep in that place. But then keep seeking. Search for others, and he'll show you the way. Work is good. The fall is real. Sin is real. Redeem it through Christ. Bring it back to Christ and bear his image in whatever work God has called you to do. And it will glorify him because you are his masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus because for the good things that he planned for each and every one of you, including me, long ago. God bless you.